Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. And this is Jay. And this is your new Comics Wednesday episode for April 28th, 2021. Jay and I are going to talk about a few of the books that we've had a chance to read. Uh, we're going to try to keep it spoiler free so you guys will be able to get a chance to, uh, to check them out. Uh, we'll remind everybody that in conjunction with the Comic Boom YouTube channel, we reviewed all the DC books as we do every week. Uh, and that dropped yesterday, Tuesday, with spoilers. So if you're curious, you can check it out on the Comic Boom YouTube channel, or you can obviously listen to it on the, on the podcast. We're available on all podcast platforms. So uh, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and kick it off with, uh, what's this book called? <laughs> <laughs> there's so many, so I got, I'm getting confused because there's so many different, Jay and I were just talking about it. There's so many different shadow books this week. It's like, is this called Shadow War? No, it's Summoner's War Legacy from uh, Skybound. It's written by Justin Jordan. Art is by Luca Claretti. Colors are by Giovanni Nero. Letters by Darren Bennett. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't get a chance to check this out, but uh, I, I've read things from Justin Jordan in the past that I've really liked. So curious what your thoughts are on this one, uh, Jay. Well, I'm not really into like uh, D&D type books or whatnot, so I kind of went in going, okay, let's just see what happens. Um, I actually enjoyed it. The main character is uh, Ray. Um, she's trying to be a summoner. That's how the story is. It's like a flashback, and then that's how she meets her mentor and like his sidekick and takes her under his wings, and then we go several months later where there's battles going on, and uh, the pro premise is there's a major war going on, but it's for magic and mana, so everybody's got their sides, uh, and they're all trying to find artifacts. It's uh, the artwork is really good. I was kind of surprised that the art was was that good. I really like the art. Um, like I said, I'm not a DD fan, but I'm kind of more intrigued now to get the second story because it's I kind of like where they're going with it. it. It's a fun read. I enjoyed it. Yeah, one of the things I noticed is it looks like Jordan did a lot of work. I mean, there's a map in the back. There's uh, just a uh, you know other back matter and overall feeling. It kind of reminded me because I'm not, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons either. Not not really into the whole role playing. Uh, games in that way. I mean, I've played some some uh, online ones, um, but yeah, it seems like he's he's done a lot of work. It it definitely, especially with the artwork, it gives that vibe of kind of an animated series or cartoon. So I didn't get a chance to read it, but uh, hopefully, I'll uh, I'll get some time before next week to check it out. Uh, all right, first book I'm going to talk about is one of those uh, shadow <laughs> shadow books that we were saying. There's so many this week. <laughs> It's Shadow Man. Uh, we have a new Shadow Man series from Valiant. It's written by Cullen Bunn. Art is by John Davis Hunt. Colors are by Jordy Belair, and letters are by Clayton Cowles. This was supposed to come out quite a while back, but uh, Valiant was one of those pencils down publishers when the pandemic started. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're finally seeing it um, come out. And, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of Cullen Bunn. He does a lot of horror stuff. His work over at Aftershock on the Dark Arcs is, is really good. I love John Davis Hunt as well. I mean, he's a uh, an artist ever since I saw his work on Clean Room for Gail Simone. And then uh, on the heels of that, he did the Wildstorm for um, the Warren Ellis series. And, and just a huge fan of him. Uh, that being said, the, this, and I suppose he's using a bit of a different style because... It, they wanted a different style. I mean, based on the colors and, and what I see, it's a, it's a more, a more spelt, you know, it, it, not a, a big 
burly shadow man which i i guess is okay um i don't know i just i, I don't this isn't my favorite john davis hunt artwork and, and i won't say that i i would expect more because i think technically he, everything is there that he normally does it's just not i think the aesthetic that they're going for is just he's not the best artist to be to be doing this um because the line work is still great and the textures the rendering all that is still there I just don't know that it that it suits the story. And maybe I'm just biased because I love the last Shadow Man series so much that uh, Andy Diggle was doing at Valiant. And I know that he didn't want it to be canceled. And he, he told me personally that he you know, had more of the story to tell. So it just seems like that. And maybe it was sales driven. I don't know. Hey, that, that series didn't do that well. We're going to cancel it. We'll bring Shadow Man back. We'll give somebody else a try. And again, Cullen Bunn is a, is a great writer. And so it's not that I didn't enjoy this, but I, I can't help but think about that previous Shadow Man series that I loved and that I wanted more of. Um, so I went into this. I, I won't say that I I didn't want to read it, but there was a little bit of you know reluctance, like, oh, am I going to like this? I want more of what Andy Diggle was establishing. That being said, this this is an interesting start. There are there are some some cool things that happen, but. I don't know. It's too soon to say based off this one issue, whether or not I'm going to be on board for this, this shadow man or not. So uh, like I said, it was, it was, it was good enough based on what I saw in this one issue that I'll, I'll come back for the next issue. Um, but yeah, I'm just not sure if it's, if it's there for me yet, you know, if it's, if it's found its footing. So I guess we'll have to, to wait and see. So um all right, well, let's move on. Uh, next book is Robin. Uh, and again, there is a, a spoiler-filled review of this on uh, our podcast yesterday, but Jay's going to talk about it a little more generally. Uh, written by Joshua Williamson. Art is by Gleb Melnikov. That includes the colors. Uh, letters by Troy Petrie. And, uh, you know, like I said, I gave my opinion yesterday. I thought it was solid, uh, and I hope that, DC kind of leans into what they do at the end of the story, but, uh, but we'll see. But anyway, what, how did you feel about this, Jay? Did you like it? Yeah, I, I thought it was cool. I mean, the, the opening is pretty cool. I mean, uh, you know, cause you know, unfortunately Bruce trained him too well because he uh, pretty much ghost. Nobody can find him. No, no, nobody knows where he's at. He's doing his own little personal mission and uh, he kind of gets, I, I don't know. We're talking about it earlier. I guess for me, it kind of reminded me of, he's trying to get to a, I don't give away too much, but he's trying to get to a, a tournament. That's the whole premise of the story because he's trying to get uh, some intel for himself. He ends up on the, uh, the island, get you know where he was trying to get to. Uh, we get the more of a key character. I don't know if I could say her name. I'm not too sure. Oh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah, she's on the cover. She's been yeah. Teamed. Okay, well, Flatline. They finally you know they got they finally got a story with her in her in, in it with Flatline. She's pretty much at the end of the couple of pages, and it kind of leaves you wondering what's going to happen in the second issue because the way it ends. But uh, her first cameo was actually in Detective Comics 1034. We saw her there. It was like her, I guess, her first appearance, I guess you would say. But I guess it's like her full, that's her actually fighting in this one. But I, I just get that whole Mortal Kombat vibe from it because <laughs> of what they're trying to do. But I enjoyed it. And I know some people don't like Robin, I this Robin in particular, because he's kind of, you know, cocky. And, you know, he's spoiled and he knows he's spoiled. And he knows he can do everything. But, uh, yeah, I, I still enjoy the character because I was always fix, picture him if Bruce was in his, you know, if he had the same situation, I think Bruce would be the same way. 
<coughs> excuse me um yeah i mean i'm kind of one of those guys that i'm not a big fan of damien he's arrogant and he's kind of a jerk and and what have you so not not the biggest fan um but yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like here. Uh, I do agree with you, that whole Mortal Kombat. I mean, I w- and again, I talked about it in my review yesterday. There's any number of movies, you know, Mortal Kombat or um, Enter the Dragon or Kickboxer or, you know, any of those movies where you, it's a fighting tournament and you gather people together. It's been done before, but uh, but this is fun. And I think that fans of Damien will enjoy it. They may be in for some twists and turns. I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens uh next issue so uh all right next book i'm going to talk about is shadow doctor number three another one of those shadow books uh this one's written by peter calloway art is by georges jante colors by juan cho letters and logo designed by charles pritchett and if you uh if you haven't been listening before when we've been covering this book this is based on a true story of peter calloway's grandfather who as a person of color back in the the great depression had a hard time once he was able to finish medical school getting a job as a color doctor as a, as a black doctor and so uh he eventually through some connections he had when he was uh, a young man working uh with al capone's gang to help uh bootleg uh whiskey and moonshine and whatnot i think it was mostly canadian whiskey uh he had those connections and so when he couldn't find a job he went to to capone and asked for uh, a loan and capone to his credit you know he had respect for this guy and he said no i'm not i'm not going to loan you money because i'm not someone you want to owe money to you know he knew that would end up turning out badly for him but he does he did give him uh, a little bit of money for supplies and then also gave him a, a place to basically open his own practice because that's what this guy tried to do, right? He tried to first get a job at a hospital. And then when he couldn't, he tried to get a bank loan to open his own uh, practice. But obviously nobody would loan to him because uh, banks just didn't loan to, to black people back then, you know? So uh, it's a, it's a really interesting story. It's based on a true story. I, I will say that I enjoyed this issue the least of the issues that we've had so far but i think that's because there's some narrative things going on here it's not this is the first issue where it's not i mean we've had some flashbacks before but this is the first time where it's it's really non-linear where we're jumping back and forth between nathaniel in the past nathaniel in in the present when there's a big kind of crisis going on and we flash back to uh, things and lessons that Nathaniel has learned in his past that kind of make him who he is and help inform the decisions he's making um, and the way he holds himself during this crisis. So in terms of the the story and the narrative working in this structure for this issue, it works really well, but it does feel like it takes a little momentum from the series overall uh, as far as the pacing, because the first two issues feel like they were moving along pretty quickly and now we're here in the middle and it slows down a little bit so that's not to say that it's a bad thing necessarily um and and oftentimes these aftershock uh, stories being only five or six issues they really read much better as uh you know read the whole thing in one sitting you know read it as a trade or whatnot um so i still enjoyed it the artwork is still really really good 
throughout the series, George Jante has given us incredible character acting and emotion with the uh, facial expressions. And that's really important when you have a story like this that's based in reality and based on, on real life characters. And that's part of the thing that's so compelling as well is the fact that not only is Nathaniel a real person, not only are these events based on things that and events that his grandfather actually lived through, the fact that, um, you know, the writer Peter Calloway is talking about somebody obviously who was very close to him, somebody he knew, uh, you know, very, very well, being that it was his, his grandfather. So uh, it's a great story, uh, Shadow Doctor. I wasn't sure what to expect. And right from the first issue, I was absolutely hooked. And uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I definitely recommend checking it out. So. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next book we're going to talk about. It's Two Moons, number three. It's written by John Arcudi. Art is by Valerio G uh, Jean Giordano. Colors are by Bill Crabtree, and letters are by Michael Heisler. Uh, and I just have to say, I, so I haven't been reading this. Uh, I planned on it, and I just never got around to it. Now we're already, I'm like, man, issue three, I still haven't read the first one. Because you and Manny both told me it was really good. Um, but I will say the art on this is absolutely amazing. So, so good. But anyway, what, what were your thoughts on this one, Jay? Oh, it's pretty good. So um, as we know from the second issue, uh, Virgil was going to be hung for murder because he, he fights for the North. But he sees the demon. So he killed one of the uh, sergeants that he saw as a demon. So they were going to hang him. The South saved him. So he's with the South right now. Uh, he has a confrontation from the last issue with uh, Nurse France, Francis, and uh, she lets him go. He ends up riding with the uh, Southerners because he thinks that's the path he should follow. Uh, during his uh, run with the South, he has like a, he does like a vision quest. Um, he does uh, by the the river, and he has a confrontation. And he talks to you know the the spirit world. At the very end, uh, another battle uh, happens. And as he is ready to uh, complete uh, his, you know, his his task, he knows what his task is now. So he's gonna he's gonna uh, do it. Uh, the nurse shows up to to stop him, and it's funny because if you look at the panel, the last panel, you'll see that the nurse is with him. So she's not out of the story yet. She's still like a key character in the whole storyline. But the, the north catches up to the south, and uh, she's with him. So I want to see what happens next. I like I said, the artwork is amazing. I just like the 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 premise of you know the Indian, you know, with with the uh, with the northerners kind of cool yeah i mean this whole idea of uh undead and you know these magical creatures uh, that almost look zombie-like at times uh you know in putting them in that like in a period piece it's just a really really cool idea i mean uh i think anybody who knows anything about indigenous uh, american uh people you know the, the native americans that were here before columbus and whatnot um, there was a lot of mysticism in their, in their culture, you know, a lot of, uh, I won't say magic necessarily, but whole idea of a medicine man and doing chants and, and praying to, you know, different gods. And th they felt they were so, their lives are so entwined with the land based on, you know, what they depended on for survival and hunting and, and all those different kind of things. Um, so I think that this kind of story uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, all right. Let me talk about my next book. Uh, it is Department of Truth from uh, writer James Tynan. This is issue number eight. We're back to the regular series artist, Martin Simons. Letters are by Aditya Bidikar. 
design is by Dylan Todd. And I, I've been talking about the last couple issues of this where I sort of felt like it had kind of not necessarily lost its way, but it, it didn't, it just didn't feel as necessarily as exciting as it, it did at the start. You know, we had some villain artists and, and it just felt like it lost a little momentum and we were getting a lot of kind of background and back history of the department of truth, like how it started way back in, in you know, kind of ancient Greece and this whole idea of it moving throughout time and what people were thinking about it and whatnot. So it wasn't necessarily the story that it started out as when it felt like it, things were really, really exciting, you know? Uh, and now with this issue, we're sort of back to the main narrative. We're introduced to uh, another character, Hawk Harrison, who there's a, uh, there's a certain charm to him, but there's a certain kind of uh, I don't put up with B any BS sort of thing to it. Um, and all and all that being said, this issue does feel like a lot of setup for for the next issue. Even though we've gotten back to sort of the main narrative here, it's uh, it's tying in having to put everything back in place. Okay, so we had the initial arc, then we had the arc where we learned the backstory. Now we're shifting back to the main arc, but I, I got to tell you where everybody's at in order to set up the next big thing, uh, if you will. And that's what it sort of feels like is coming in the next issue or two. We're going to get some, we're going to see the power of the department of truth, right? Like we've seen that they deal in rumor or dispelling rumor or whatnot to keep things, to keep conspiracy theories and uh, urban legends from manifesting and becoming reality. Um, but how do they deal with things that do become reality? And even if they can convince the majority of people that they're not actually true, what do they do with what's left over, right? What are, what is, what are the actual powers of the Department of Truth when it comes to needing to kind of take the kid gloves off and be more proactive in the world? So that's going to be what's, uh, what's interesting. And uh, I've talked before about how you know, Martin Simon's kind of watercolor sketchy kind of art isn't it, it, my favorite style of art. You know, I vastly prefer art that's more clean. But man, it, I got to say, after seeing a, a lot of guest artists and fill-in artists over the last three issues or so giving us the, the backstory of the Department of Truth, I really do prefer kind of the impressionistic style and the, the watercolor style that uh, that Martin Simons gives us, uh, you know, it might not be the cleanest art, but it just, it suits the mood of this book so well. Uh, so this is another one of those books that uh, I think n not enough people are talking about, you know, a lot of people are talking about Tynan. I know his something is killing the children is, you know, it seems like every other day I hear uh, uh, one of the issues is gr you know, graded issue of something is killing the children breaks the, its own record in terms of, you know, how much they're selling for. Uh, but I haven't heard a lot about Department of, of Truth in terms of how good it is. Um, just as good as something is, is killing the children. I think I actually like it more than something is killing the children. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that we're back to kind of the main narrative and uh, I can't wait to see what happens next. So, uh, all right, on to the next book Jay's gonna talk about, Shadecraft from writer Joe Henderson, art by Lee Garbett, colors by Antonio Fabella. Letters by Simon Boland. 
Uh, obviously, we had Joe Henderson on a, a couple times to talk about this, and uh, we're, bi- we're big fans of these guys. This is the same Eisner Award-nominated team that brought us uh, Skyward, and now they're back with Shadecraft, and uh, and this is the second issue. So uh, what would you think of this one, Jay? Oh, I, lo- I like it a lot. Um, the main character, uh, Zadie, um, can now talk to her from the second issue, or the first issue, I should say. At the very end, we find out that the shadow that she's been chased by is actually her brother. So there's no spoiler there. We already know that if you read the first one, you know that already. Um, there's a lot of banter between the two because, you know, they're brother and sister. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, uh, goofing around with each other. She goes to school. Her brother goes to school with her. You know, a little more banter back and forth. Um, get to meet a new uh, student uh, or yeah, a student council at, at the school. But it's a little more behind uh, the counselor, as we find out. I don't want to get away too much, but then you kind of leaves you going, okay, what's going on? Because now you know there's more, uh, at the very end, you find out there's more behind, you know, these uh, shadows, I guess you can say. You know, it has to do something with, you know, the, the link between these two characters. I will say that the artwork by Lee is great. I love the colorist by Antonio. It just seems to work hand in hand perfectly because I just like the, um, it's, they're not bright colors, but they just work so well together. You know, I just, I just like it. Um, the, uh, the story is good. I just want to see what happens, you know, with the next issue. It's really good. I liked it. I, I don't know if you've been reading it, but I like it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got a chance to check out, uh, I think it was back in December actually that, uh, Lee shared the first issue with me and I was like immediately hooked. Obviously I had to wait a long time for issue two, uh, but it didn't disappoint. You know, as, as you said, we find out at the end of issue one that, uh, the shadow that, that uh, Zadie's been seen is, is her brother. And this issue really is a lot about their, their relationship. Like, like Jay said, um, you know, with the banter that, that siblings have and, uh, and yeah, there's, there's an exploration of that. It gets kind of emotional at times. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really spectacular and, and I'm very curious to see what happens next. Joe, you know, part of his background is in, television so he really knows how to leave us with a cliffhanger right like uh you want to do at the end of a a television episode to make sure they come back for the next week or the next episode whenever it might be uh same thing here you know he's leaving us with uh, another great sort of uh cliffhanger you know not not like a serial cliffhanger oh my god someone's about to die kind of thing but definitely drop something on us right at the end that makes you want to turn the page and, and keep reading you know uh, but unfortunately, there there isn't more after that page, so we have to come back next week. Uh, the other thing is, this really feels like a lot of story, you know. Um, and it, it's a thirty-two page book, but there and there's a little bit of back matter, but it's more you. It's more than just a twenty-page comic. Um, so you, so you feel like you get a big chunk of story, which is great. Uh, the artwork is fantastic. And I especially want to call out the cover by by Lee Garbett um, and, and with the colors by Antonio Fuella. The thing that it does is it it this cover it so perfectly encapsulates the tone of the book and the feel of the book um, from the school counselor door with the shadows coming out of it, the colors, Zadie's expression, the textures of the book. It's 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 perfect. It's a perfect cover. And uh, yeah, the reason the artwork works so well in the book is the the facial expressions and the emotion that Lee puts in the face, coupled with the diversity of color that uh, Antonio Fabella gives us, 
but it does need to be a, a darker book. It does need to have more muted colors because that's just the tone of the story that's being told. Although we do get some relatively bright colors when there's kind of a humorous moment that happens in the middle of the story. And it just shows the, the talent and the skill of Antonio that he knows for a lighter mood, you got to use some lighter colors. And so he purposely gives the, the lockers in the high school a very bright color to use as kind of a background for this funny moment that happens. And it, it's that kind of smart storytelling uh, choices from everybody involved that make this book, even two issues in, uh, spectacular. Like this is a must read. So if anybody hasn't read Skyward, uh, just recently there was a, a hardcover that collects the whole thing that got released with even a little uh, bit of new material, I think a new six or eight page story. So I definitely recommend that. And uh, I definitely recommend Shadecraft. It's uh, it's fantastic. Uh, and then all that being said, it, this is probably my, my book of the week, Shadecraft number two. So, Oh, you stole it. <laughs> oh, is that, is that yours as well? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Skyward was awesome too. I, I love that series. It was, it was great. Yeah. Well, cool. I think this is the first time we've had our, our book of the week uh, as the same. So makes it easy. Uh, one and one more book, you know, not to uh, forget, there is a, another book that uh, I have to talk about. It's Nuclear Family Number Three from writer Stephanie Phillips, art by Tony Shastine, colors are by J.D. Mettler, letters by Troy Petrie, and uh, you know, we had Stephanie on to talk about this book not too long ago, and uh, she mentioned that it's it's sort of inspired by the the Philip K. Dick short story Breakfast at Twilight. And she brought Tony Shastine on as the artist. And thank God she did because his art suits this, both the time period and the tone and kind of the Cold War era of the story really, really well. The narrative is interesting. You know, this family from 1958, sort of, you know, this prototypical quote unquote nuclear family, you know, a father, a mother, a daughter, a son. The bombs drop, you know, certainly that was a, a thing that everybody in the late 50s was worried about. 1958, you worried about atomic bombs it was the atomic age. And, uh, you know, the bombs go off the, or the, 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 the sirens go off, the air raid sirens go off. They go down to their basement. They come back up the next day, which is the following issue. And unbeknownst to them, 10 years have gone by. It's, nine, it's now 1968. And they're captured and they're they're taken to this secret facility. They're told it's 1968. They don't understand. For them, only one night has passed. And for the rest of the world, um, 10 years have passed. And there's been a nuclear war. And there are only a few survivors in these underground bunkers throughout uh, the United States, uh, as far as we know. And so that's where this next issue uh, starts up. And these people that uh, took the, this family want answers, right? Um, they, they think that uh, this, this family, the McLean family, the father Tim and the mother Linda must be communists. They must be commies, you know, Soviet or Russian spies. And why do they think it's 1958? And, um, and so they're, they're trying to get the answers. The kids are, are sequestered away. And uh, we meet a couple of uh, characters in this issue that may be able to help the McLean family out and get some answers. Uh, but we're just not sure. We're still sort of discovering what this world is like. And certainly the, the McLeans want to know 
what the heck is going on because it's, it, it is, hasn't been revealed yet. So I have to imagine that the, cause we get a lot of characterization in this issue, especially characterization for the two kids that we, uh, that we hadn't gotten a lot previously. The, the daughter, the daughter's the older of the two, her name's Robin. And then her younger brothers is named Henry. We hadn't gotten a lot from them characterization from them yet. So it feels like this issue on top of pushing the narrative forward a little bit and, and us learning more about the world and more about the, the people that control this underground base and, um, how there are others that are there that, that feel trapped as well. Uh, the other purpose for this issue was really to give us some characterization for the, the brother and sister. Uh, I have to think that the next issue is our next couple issues. They're going to have to move at a pretty fast pace is my guess in order for us to kind of have an understanding of, of what exactly is going on in the story and, and get um, a good resolution. So uh, the artwork Again, Tony Chastain, Stephanie Phillips knows exactly what she's doing in bringing him on to uh, to do the art for this this comic because again, it's it's pitch perfect art. It's absolutely fantastic. The last page reveal is handled in a very interesting and cool way, and the art highlights that as well. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm my curiosity is peaked to find out what the heck is is going on and and what's going to happen next. So. Uh, definitely a, a, a book that I recommend. Uh, all right. Well, let's give a rundown on some of the other titles that you might want to be on the lookout for today. Uh, from Aftershock, in addition to Nuclear Family and Shadow Doctor, I Breathe the Body, number four, from writer Zach Thompson is out today. I've been reading that book, and I, I got to say, it is just weird. Um, it started out weird. It's continued to be weird. I think it's probably even gotten weirder. Uh, I felt like I understood it better. Like the first, second issue, I kind of got it. The third issue got a little out there. The fourth issue, I, I sort of feel lost a little bit. But that being said, I, I keep coming back and reading it. And I'm very curious to see, see how it all ends. But again, that may be one of those examples where it's a, it's a story that reads better uh, in one big city. But I guess we'll have to, to wait and see. Uh, from AWA, we have Erratic number five. That's been a really fun series. Uh you know, a story of uh, a character learning how to use their, their powers from Cardi Andrews. I've heard a lot of people compare it to, to Spider-Man. Uh, Abbott, 1973, number four from writer uh, Ram V from Boom Studios. That uh, comic's been getting, I'm sorry, not Ram V, Saladin Ahmed <laughs> um, is the writer on that. That's been getting a lot of buzz from, uh, from Boom Studios. I've heard good things. We've got the second issue of Berserker. Number two with about 75 different variants, uh, obviously from uh, Keanu Reeves and Matt Kent over at Boom. Uh, Dune House of Trades, number six of 12, that limited series at Boom is halfway through. We've got uh, Once in Future, number 18 from Boom from Karen Gellin and Dan Mora, which continues to be uh, a really popular title. Action Comics, number 1030 over at DC. Again, we covered it yesterday as we did with Batman Black and White number five. Uh, Batman Superman number 17 was both my and Rocky's favorite uh, title from DC out this week. We've got Detective Comics number 1035, Harley Quinn number two, Robin number one we talked about, Titans Academy number two also hit stands this week from DC. Uh, over at IDW, G.I. Joe, Real American Hero number 280. 
at Image. We've got Christ, uh, Crossover number six from Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw. That one has a kind of a surprising, shocking ending as well, if you've been reading that. Uh, Helm, Graycastle, number one of four from Top Cow by Henry Barajas was a, a fun read. Kind of mixing Dungeons and Dragons with um, kind of Mexican uh, history, I guess, like Incans and Mayans and that that kind of thing. So that was a that was a pretty fun read. Spawn number three seventeen from uh, from Todd McFarland. Obviously, uh, we didn't get our Marvel books in time to talk about them uh, on this episode, but the second issue of Beta Ray Bill is out this week. The sixth issue of Kelly Thompson's Black Widow. Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 25, which kicks off the uh, clone saga. I think they're even calling it the same thing. New Mutants number 17, Star Wars Darth Vader number 11. We've got U.S. Agent number 5 of 5 finishing off that miniseries. Uh, X-Men Legends number 3 by Walter Simonson, written by his wife, Louise Simonson, telling a a heretofore untold X-Factor story is out this week as well. Uh, and then from uh, Valiant, as I said, we've got uh, Shadow Man finishing up with Vault, Shadow Service number seven, and Witch Blood number two. So uh, those are some of the other titles you might want to be on the lookout for at your comic shop today. Uh, just a reminder, my book of the week, yeah, had had to give it to Shadecraft. It was uh, it was a really fun read this week. So uh, and it sounds like you agree, right, Jay? Oh yeah, I love that book. <laughs> Just the artwork. That's what impresses me is the the artwork. Yeah, exactly. The the uh, the whole creative team they really knocked it out of the park on that book. Um, like the first issue of that story was really intriguing and it set up a compelling sort of mystery. And now the the creative team's adding substance to the story to make sure that it's going to have legs. And uh, they did an excellent job. So. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it, everybody, for this uh, episode. As always, want to thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next time. See you. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The readings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.